Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. Go ahead and kick it off here. It is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. It is Sunday night, May the 2nd. Uh, we have Jerry with us. We have Ben with us. The senior is off tonight, a little under the weather, so he will not be here. Uh, but we've got uh, several topics we'll talk about tonight. We're going to start off talking about um, New Zealand's proposed ban on tobacco sales to future generations. Now, the first person to send me this article was Ben, and we both kind of immediately first, I said thought crime, he said minority reports. So we both went um, went the same direction there. But basically they have this this document that's being called, you know, proposals for a 2025 smoke-free action plan. I probably mm-hmm. reversed that, but whatever. Uh, it outlines the idea that New Zealand will be potentially smoke-free by 2025, and that gives um, the public time to submit comments on this document. Now, they define smoke-free as less than 5% of the population smoking daily. But the interesting part is they have a potentially ambitious policy to ban the sale of tobacco to anyone born after a certain date. So if starting January 1 of next year, they say nobody after this date can have tobacco, then you know, even when they did come of age, they're already saying, you know, man, we're not going to let you have cigarettes. We're not going to let you have cigars to whatever. And yeah. Obviously, I don't care that much for for cigarettes and chew and all that stuff. But it's another one of those situations where premium cigars get lumped in with the rest of this crap. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's unfair. I think everyone should have the same opportunity to make either responsible or irresponsible decisions. And it being punished and restricted from enjoying tobacco of any kind, simply because you were born after this date, makes no sense. If you want people to be <clears throat> smoke-free, then educate them to choose not to smoke. But simply banning something has almost never had. We tried it with prohibition, it didn't work, remember? And so it's... You know, just saying we want to be, I mean, that's not up to you. You know, it's not, you can't, that's not your fucking job. Your job is to protect me from foreign enemies and domestic. Your job is to tell me what I can and cannot consume legally. Well, along the same lines, the war on drugs hasn't been most successful either, let's face it. (laughs) Oh, a true statement has uh, never been spoken. They they lost that war a long time ago. Refresh my memory. Is this just a proposal? Is this something that's been enacted or what? So right now it's just a proposal. Um, It's kind of like here in the States, it would be the, you know, somebody in the house or or the Senate introducing a bill. Right. Um, Right now we're we're jumping ahead of the game a bit because it's, it's very early stages. They, they submit it, they get public comments and they debate it. Odds are nothing ever happens, but just the thought of it sets a a dangerous precedent for not just New Zealand, but potentially everywhere, because, you know, I can understand the country saying, okay, we're not going to let you smoke tobacco until you turn 18, or we're not going to let you drink alcohol until 21, or you're not considered an adult until 18 or 19. That's fine. But don't say... This actually smells of an old political point that we've been seeing in this country for years, where they, you know, Congress, a congressperson will propose something just totally crazy just to uh, drum up their, their voter base, knowing that it will never will pass, will never become a consideration. A good example is that bill that uh, Sheila Jackson Lee brought up a, a few weeks ago, uh, which will almost make gun ownership in this country impossible. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it died in, in committee. Yeah, she could not find one co-sponsor, but yet she could go back to her people and say, you know, I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to get those guns. And I'm kind of wondering, hoping that that maybe is what this is, is more symbolic than anything else, just to rev up somebody's voter base. Yeah, it could definitely be uh, grandstanding, so. for sure. Yeah. 
I, I think if, <laughs> if New Zealanders wanted to, as a country, if the, if the citizens of the country deliberately stopped smoking on their own, yeah. and then the tobacco companies pulled their marketing and products off the shelves because they're not selling, that's one thing. If people are choosing not to buy them, that's one thing. But forcing someone not to buy it is bullshit. That's not your choice. Yeah. You're saying I'm old enough to join the army. I'm old enough to drive a car. I'm old enough to rent a car. I'm old enough to do all kinds of things, but I can't enjoy tobacco. If I eat 14 cheeseburgers a day, that's extremely unhealthy. But there's no law that says I can't do that. But a cigarette, oh, yeah. well, I'm sorry. We're looking out yeah. for your best yeah. interest. But it's okay to put 45 grams of sugar in a, in a bucket of Coke you get every time you go to the drive-thru. That's perfectly fine. Ben, ben, we're not here to talk about my eating habits. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I didn't say you specifically, but it involves you indirectly. <laughs> I just want to say Look. that there's there's been a couple of nights you should have been with me in junior here, you know. <laughs> there was, oh god, there was that. Um, and I forget where we got it from, but an eighteen ounce steak. Um, I believe it was eighteen ounces. It might have been twenty two. Hell, I don't remember. But I, I got about three quarters of the way through it and started um, started going downhill. They had to cheer me on a little bit. Yeah. Got a little, he got a little uh, green in the lips there a little bit. So, man's got his own limitations, see, or junior. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was only it was only a mild heart attack, okay? Just mild. Yeah. How many but, heart attacks does that make for you, Mark? <laughs> 27. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, a baker's what? dozen. <laughs> getting back to this fiasco, getting back to this fiasco in New Zealand, I, I'm kind of hoping, I mean, when you hear something as draconian as that is, I yeah. mean, that's like 1984 stuff, you know. Well, that, that is some type of representative democracy over, I believe. And they simply cannot do those kind of horrible extremes and not alienate a, a significant part of the population, you know. So they like to bring this stuff well, out just to fire the, bait, the voter base up. But I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. You know, I keep hearing um, <clears throat> rumblings from the FDA and rumblings from the Biden administration that they want to ban menthol cigarettes like yeah we're gonna talk about that. whether they can pull it off or not is one thing but like they claim that that's like 85 percent of the african-american smoking population smokes menthol cigarettes so they think it's going to stop them from smoking no what it's going to do is it's going to create a black market or you're going to piss off people that voted for him and they're going to vote the opposite yeah. way in 2024 And and I don't I can give a shit which side you voted for, but you can't go after something like that that's going to be a big part of your base. You just can't. Yeah, and you know it's also too. In in most cases, you just cannot legislate morality. You know, you can't just change pe people's behavior. And again, prohibition of war on drugs shows that that just because you tell them they can't have it, it just makes them more anxious to get it sometimes. Well, they've banned, you know, remember they banned marijuana for six generations, and now all of a sudden it's legal in half the country. And I don't know if you noticed, half the country hasn't killed over and died since they've made it legal in several states. Uh, people can make irresponsible choices with, all, with anything. It doesn't have to be tobacco. But the problem is, is that all these legislations and all these companies, they say tobacco is bad, tobacco is bad, and they right. stick to that script to right. ban everything. Tobacco is bad, right. tobacco is bad. And it's like, no, it, it's not. But they keep preaching that and they use that as this foundational judgment for all their legislation. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that part of it. That's just, that's and that's going to lead into our, I think our, well, we're going to come back to that, but. Um, yeah, we're going to, your, your topic a little later in the show kind of hints at that same thing, but yeah, uh, probably enough, Jerry, Jerry sent me a message the other night. He's like, hey, I want to talk about the Alec Bradley fire. Yeah. And. I didn't think much of it at the time. At the time, I was like, okay, that must be some new cigar I've not heard about because I don't watch the news. I don't read that much news. I'm, I'm just an uneducated hillbilly. But, That's true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, when, I, when I Googled it to, to see, see what this cigar was and I thought I didn't know about it, I, I was flabbergasted to realize it was an actual fire. So, yeah. uh, Jerry, uh, tell, us, tell us a little more about what happened there. Yeah, it, it happened recently, I believe the first week in April, if I remember right, was in Honduras, the Alec Bradley factory down there. Actually, the curing barns and uh, quite a bit of, of the other stuff down there, the build, physical buildings, caught fire and burned. So, uh, and, you know, one unfortunate situation there is that 
it was not insured and it says in the article could not be insured. So I don't know if that's due to the fact that you have a high risk there or what the situation was. Uh, yeah, the bad news was they lost multiple greenhouses uh, and uh, a lot of other structures. So the, the, the farm is actually owned by a gentleman named Hugo, and excuse me for this, this mispronunciation, Endemondo, uh, but it's all financed by Alec Rubin, who owns Alec Bradley Cigars. Uh, uh, it's kind of interesting, though, thank goodness for Alec Bradley smokers out there, the tobacco that was lost was going to be for the 25, 26 productions years. So I, I'm sure they can get that made up. And, you know, they're being rather optimistic about the whole thing, too. Alan Rob Rubin was also quoted as saying they intend to have one of the other barns back up in the three weeks. But, uh, you know, unfortunate situation there. Um, I, you know, they didn't give me a dollar amount how much the damage was, but apparently it was pretty severe. Because, again, it was multiple greenhouses and a lot of the barns and stuff. So, uh, you know, a, a word of encouragement going out to Alan Rubin. I'm sorry to hear about that. Great appreciator of Alec Bradley Cigars, and uh, just hope they get back together real soon. I'll tell you what I really Yeah, like. definitely. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a lot of their cigars, and it, I kind of thought the same thing. But to me, the most shocking part of the article, as bad as it was, is they're like, you know, this is tobacco we weren't going to use for five or six years. Yeah. So it, it puts into your head how far how far these guys are thinking and how far their inventory is, you know, potentially boosted for. And he said, hey, you know, we'll we'll grow more next season to recover. So like it's fascinating <laughs> you know, that, really that that is kind of an interesting uh thought because I wonder how many novice smokers think they just go out and you know they make it they raise a crop and they make cigars out of it. And they don't realize how it is aged and how important that part of the process is, you know. Yeah, you wonder how many people equate it to machine-made cigars or machine-made cigarettes, either one, where it just rolls off a production line. And, you don't, you know, a lot of these cigars, they'll say, you know, this tobacco has been aged for seven years. They, they mean that literally. That, right. you know, it's been setting somewhere for seven years. First off, I think that's remarkable that, to have the patience to do that and, to, and the resources to build it. I think that's fantastic. Well, one thing I really like about this article is towards the end when it says, what you said earlier, Jared, says the tobacco was for 25, 20, 2025, 20, 26. And then he says, we're fine on tobacco. We'll plant more next season to recover. We'll have one barn built in less than a month. Yeah. If, if you look at the photo, he's got his arm around Hugo. Yeah. And you just know that they are not assuaged by this situation. I mean, they're upset about it, but this, what the first instinct for all of them is that we're going to come together, we're going to fix this, and we're going to move on. And we're, we're going we're gonna to get through this. It wasn't panic. It wasn't trying to get government loans or anything. It wasn't even insured. So all this yeah. stuff's what it sounds like is coming out of pocket of some kind. Right. And it's just like, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to get back on our feet. Don't worry about it. And you might be delayed that one crop year. Oh, well. well it's just it, like, it's resilience. Well, you know, this, this business has a, a, a great history of all type of disasters, fires, hurricanes, all kinds of things that can happen can greatly depress the, the production there, you know? Yeah, and I guess it's something that they have learned as the word you use, keep being resilient. They stay positive and move on. And I really respect that. And it was AJ Fernandez yeah, where we got flooded out. I'm sorry? The AJ Fernandez, he got flooded out with that hurricane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they just yeah. pick their feet up and, and get to it. And it's just like all the, the first instinct is to come together and figure out how to solve it. Not blame one yeah. another, not throw rocks at one another, like, look. We're in this situation. We're all in this together, and we're going to get through this. And that's yeah. their first instinct. And that's just so inspiring to me. I, I completely agree yeah. with you. It's, I, I hate to say it, but it's the opposite of what would happen if it happened here. You know, if this happened oh, yeah. in Muncie, Indiana, it would they'd be on the news crying. Um, yeah. Insurance company, government handout. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we got two, two years before we can rebuild. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never met Alan Rubin. I wish I would. He actually sounds really cool. Have you actually met him or worked with him before, Jerry? Yeah, I've met him. I haven't worked with him, but I have met him a couple of times. And then they, he strikes me as being a real gentleman. I've, I've always enjoyed meeting him. Have you been to his farm? I have been. No, I haven't. I, I've, never been, I've not been to Honduras. You've not been to Honduras. Okay. I've been to Dominican and I've been to, uh, to Nicaragua, but I haven't been to Honduras. Okay. But yeah, the, the, the I'm uh, I know him, but the brief times I met him and talked to him a little bit, he came across as being a real gentleman. So it's not just a show. No, no. I have the Alan Rubin bobblehead on my desk. If that counts for anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, that's more than I have. You guys, you you guys know Rick Rodriguez for CAO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the, the bobblehead he had made. Yeah. Okay. The first time I saw him, I asked him about those. I said, "Are those life size?" <laughs> you know, he's not a big guy. You know, so anyway, you know, keep keep it light, fellas. It's all about disaster here. It, well, there's the oh, October really really bobblehead. Yeah, well, you, you know it's. You know, getting back to the resilient part of that, though. You know, you think about a lot of Latin American countries, including Cuba. Uh, you look at their history and look at all of the problems they have been through, and the fact that they've had to be resilient. You know. Oh, you look at the Cuban exodus of the 1960s and 70s. I was reading about that the other night. I was yeah. Car lounge, and I man, the, I mean, they literally would just have the Cuban the soldiers under Fidel Castro's regime. Go yep. up and said, "We're taking this place," and they said, "No, you're not." And he goes, "Okay, well, you have like three days to leave." And they were literally just kicking right. them out and kicked. And he wanted to yeah. like nationalize the Cuban tobacco industry, and they yeah. left and went to the Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua, and then that Cuban seed tobacco turned some of the best tobacco we use today. So oh, they didn't just give up; they moved yeah. to Miami, what have you, and and and, and made it work. Yeah, I, I I've run across stories. You know, one thing too, I always find interesting. We think about the mayor of boat lift. Uh, you know what we've heard about from them, the Scarface and everything else. You think it's like they just dumped the scum of the earth on us. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people in the business today who I do know who came over to Boat Lift who are incredible people, wonderful people, straight shooters, honest, hard workers. And that group kind of gets targeted with the same brush sometimes, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Padron, Taranio, you've got uh, Rafael Nodal, you've got, yep. uh, you know, and just a host of these giants of Fuente uh, yeah. in the industry that have just not only survived, but thrive probably more than they would have if they stayed in Cuba and they were able to turn that situation oh, around oh, and, absolutely. you know, I, I, and they've made some of the best tobacco on the planet now. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, have a, I have a friend who has a shop in Little Obama whose father was a political prisoner in Cuba for 20 years. And he tells me that his dad can't even stand right in the car with the windows rolled up. He just can't be in close places. You know, we don't think about the stuff those people have got went through to get here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. People showing up with machine guns on their chest and like, we don't really have that particular problem. Here, you know? no. Not really. Not yet. Yep. Um, no, that was the um, first time I ever went to, to Mexico. We, we went to Progreso and that's where you, that's where you dock if you want to go and see the Mayan ruins. And it's about a two hour bus ride away from the cruise port. And you come up, a couple of times to checkpoints and you have presumably Mexican soldiers carrying what looked to be AK-47s, mm -hmm. uh, you know, locked and loaded to come on the bus and, and inspect who you are and what you have with you. And it's like, you know, you're kind of sitting there thinking, holy shit, I'm not in America anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You realize you, you realize, can disappear. You realize that real fast. Oh Yeah. Disappear and never be heard from again. I knew I should have. I should have forged your passport. No, they. Uh, no, actually, I tell you what. <laughs> just on a sudden, if you want to read about Rocky Patel's story, it was not all like you know unicorns and fluffy pillows. It was. It was. Cool. Oh, yeah. He was getting to like cartel territory, and it was. You know, if you read the story of actually how he got the business started, it was not easy. It was expensive. He lost a lot of money. Uh, you know, threats, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, even if you're not indigenous from Cuba. Uh, there's some dangerous shit that happens in these third world countries that we never see because the media is not allowed in there and people aren't allowed to take pictures with their cell phones. And, but that shit still happens. You know, uh, they don't, the laws there are much, much thinner. They don't have unions and, and uh, you know, to, to protect them or anything. They're, you're out in the middle of the field. And so that's it. You know, you either survive or that's it. So it's, uh, it's incredible. I, I, don't, I don't think we realize what the situation is like in a lot of those countries really don't. Uh, no. I don't know, I, I'm sure I told Junior about this, but the first trip I made to Nicaragua, uh, we were about halfway between Managua and Esteli and got pulled over by the cops. I mean, they had a roadblock because we really shut the road down. And so I've got a guy, a cop, who's sticking his head in the window and screaming at my cop driver, and the driver's screaming back at him, and there's three guys standing by him with AK-47s. And you don't know what they're saying. I don't have a clue what they're saying. Well, I'm thinking, <laughs> what this, you know? But basically what the guy did was he gave the, the driver a note and we left. I still don't know what happened, but I got, I got a feeling this is where the money is. We know who you are. 
But I mean, just think about that. Just a typical ride down the road one day and run to a roadblock with cops with AK-47s, you know? And you, I mean, it's not like you know the language or what's going on, but even if you did, what are you supposed to do? You're yeah. you know, several hundred miles from anywhere. And, and even know. even some places like Esalen, there's a university in Esalen there where the, the, the guards carry Mossbergs in the university, you know? It only takes one flip of the trigger, man. I mean, one little sneeze the wrong direction and shit goes down. Yeah, so I just mean to think about how we live and then complain about it constantly and how other people live. Kind of makes you, <laughs> makes you think sometimes. That's, that's what I was going to say. It, make, it puts into perspective the just utterly stupid shit that Americans bitch about. Yeah, tell um, me about it. And how comfortable we are in our... Oh, my God. I so much at work. It's insane. The first world problems people have, and they're so impatient, like petulant children. Yeah. Such a first world problem. Yeah, we 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 are we are a nation of entitled people. I'll tell you. God, yes, it's unbelievable. Well, well, God, God, God bless Alan Ruby. Hope things work out for him. <laughs> I I really think they're going to be fine. They are nothing yeah, against Brazilian, and he's and he's smart. Him too. and his children both. I'm sure this is not their first rodeo. They'll be fine. Oh. Good people. Hell it's, hell, it's May at this point. They probably have a barn rebuilt by now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Luckily, those barns aren't. Ex I mean, relatively, it's just you know wood and palm bark. <laughs> so, it's, it's 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 not titanium. Uh, but whatever, uh, they're they're gonna get to next next, uh, next time next time on cigar pictures. Uh, ben will be giving us a barn building tutorial. Yeah, uh, how to how to raise a barn Amish style. Uh, hold on, I'm going to test your age, Mark. I'm going to say, Jerry, I know you know what this is. Do you remember the Victory Gardens? Not the original, but the show. Sure. Yeah, sure. I used to, on PBS, right? I used to watch that show, Mark. I don't know if you know what that is, but the Victory Garden. No. Yeah. Uh, doing, doing World War II. The funny part is we're the same age. Right, but I have a mental age of, of, of 78. So, Jerry, tell them what a victory garden is. Wait, during during World War II, which was just a little bit before my time, uh, what they were doing, they were encouraging the civilian population to raise gardens, vegetable gardens, uh, because, you know, uh, they were concerned about food shortages because naturally everything was going to over, overseas to the troops. But that's what a victory garden was about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like this, guy, this, this guy made a show called The Victory Garden. It's about gardening tips. So I think I'm going to do what's called Victory Barns. And I'm going to have a show on PBS talking about how to design and build a Victory Barn. Only only if you grow a Bob Roth Afro. <laughs> a salt and pepper. Just take a, a paintbrush and just beat the devil out of it. <laughs> yeah. Happy, happy little barn. Happy little barn, right? You have a little tobacco leaf going right here. And <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Okay. That sounds like something that's going to be on PBS, and I don't know. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> that might need to be on HBO. Uh, no. <laughs> the stars. <laughs> yeah. Stars. <laughs> it's not good enough for HBO. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> on Lifetime. It'll be on the... What's that other one? Epic. It'll be on Epics. The one that uh, Amazon's always selling Epics for 99 cents a month, so it'll be on that one. Yeah. <laughs> So and, and when we when we would lose our direction here, fellas, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Just, uh, you, you know, you know how it is with us. It's like shiny red ball. Yeah, it is shiny, yeah. traffic kind of thing. Alan yeah. Rubin's going through trauma, and then we went down. You know, World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah PBS, that's that where we are. There. So anyway, uh, anyway, back to that thing we're supposed to be talking about. Um, opinion article. This one came from Ben. Uh, Opinion, and I quote, end the sale of flavored tobacco products now. Yeah. So then, tell us why. Okay. I'm going to tell you, you Please don't say the children. This is going to go ahead. I'm going to read my little what's really grinding my gears because this grinds the hell out of them. All right. So in a recent article that we just got, that we're going to be discussing, there is clearly a massive legislative shove to ban all menthol cigarettes and flavored cigarettes and cigars off all retail shelves. And this is for various reasons. Reasons such as they target Hispanic and black communities. The flavors of menthol et al with cigarettes and cigars appeals to children and affects youth smoking habits. 
And of course, the old community cries of, we must protect our children. Now, all of these reasons sound good and admittedly appeal to the knee-jerk reacting Karens of this world, where your indifferent parenting and mischievous children can be excused by blaming large governments and corporations for not quote unquote, law enforcing your children to fortune and good health. Of course, we all want our children to live happily and healthy and any halfway decent parent worth their weight would agree with that. But are government bureaucrats and federal judges actually responsible for teaching your kids that inhaling tar on a daily basis is an unhealthy vice? I think not. I think it's the parents' job to train and educate their kids, not the government. And I'm sorry, but the reason why Hispanics and Blacks smoke menthol cigarettes is not necessarily because they are hoodwinked and commercially persuaded to smoke more from watching the television or looking at billboards. I think it's because these residents of what we would call Section 8 housing are involved in more stressful living situations and poverty-stricken situations, and therefore smoke cigarettes as an excuse necessity to escape life and reduce stress. Whereas larger percentage of white smokers smoke cigarettes as more of a recreational activity. Now, if you extrapolate that to premium cigar smokers, we enjoy their cigars almost predominantly as a recreational vice and stress reducer. So the point is this, not all tobacco is processed the same or marketed the same, and tobacco itself is not the enemy. And moreover, not all responsibility lies on big government to do the parenting for you. If you don't want your children smoking, educate them on the risks and have them choose not to smoke, rather than trying to relive the failed agenda of alcohol prohibition from America's yesteryears. When you make something illegal to have, it only inspires that individual to want it more, not less. Now, even as a non-parent, one can understand this concept. For example, when President Kennedy banned importing Cuban products such as their cigars in 1960, did it stop all Americans from enjoying them? No, it just means they had to work a little harder and make some adjustments to acquire this now quote unquote illegal thing to satiate their lust for this forbidden fruit. If you ban menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars, all that means is that this child that's being targeted will find alternative accoutrement to cling to and could lead to a lateral adjusted addiction, say for example, vaping. Nowadays, studies have shown that vaping is unhealthy and dangerous. Well, then exactly what the hell do you want, society? A, a 1950s Leave it to Beaver, Norman Rockwell painting image of America, where dad goes to work, mom stays home and bakes bread for her children and their friends, and everyone smiles all day because there's no menthol cigarette in the picture. Wake up, people. This is a difficult and unforgiving world we live in, and parents have to take responsibility for their kids and not punish adults who have the right to smoke from enjoying theirs. I'm Ben, and that's what's really grinding my gears. What was that, uh, what was that line about satiating their lust? That, that was quite nice. Yes, in other words... For, for this illegal thing. So it's like, you the government says, you can't have this. And they're like, but I really want this thing. I'm like, well, you can't have it. Well, I'm going to find a way to get it anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, knew, I knew what it meant. I just, I just meant it was a very, like, nicely said phrase. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Let's see. If like you got, your, you got your thesaurus out for that one. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, yeah. it's on the internet. The, Junior, the, he was, he was testing for skills. Yeah, satiate their <laughs> lust for the now forbidden fruit. Yeah, that's the right. line I used. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, we, you know, we, we as Americans, there, there's a phrase out there somewhere that Americans always want what they can't have. And that's very exactly. true in this situation. Yeah. That's pretty much, yeah, what it is. And so it, it, the, if you ban menthol cigarettes and flavors, and they're like, oh, well, it's, a t it's targeting children. Children eat cotton candy, which gives them cavities. They eat cheeseburgers, which gives them diabetes. They drink soda, which gives them also diabetes and nobody bans any of that you, you're allowed to eat and drink as much of that as you want no problem but all of a sudden this 99 cent pack of three cigars first off when i was in high school i didn't know anyone that, black hispanic or otherwise that just came and just 
huffed and puffed menthol cigarettes all day long. You know, uh, so this nonsense that it, it doesn't target children. If they were caught selling to these tobacco products to children, the business would close. It is not in the interest of the of the magazine stand or the store or, or the grocery store or whatever to sell it to minors because they would lose their license and, and and pay fines. So they don't want to do that. So when saying you're targeting children, I think they're trying to avoid children because children are like those red mines in Minesweeper. Everything goes boom. Yeah. I always hated that game. I know, but that you know what I'm talking. You hit the red mine, you hit the flag or whatever, you hit the red yeah. mine, it goes boom. You hit the red mine. And and That's what this is. All it, you know, so stop. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the FDA actually do their own uh, investigation and found out there there is no such thing as widespread uh, demand with underage kids for cigars? They funded the project that yep. literally proved that children, underage youths, as they call them, are not smoking cigars. Um, more teenagers have more cigarettes, but not, yep. pre especially not premium cigars. Premium cigars is almost yep. nil. And, and again, we're going back to the same situation where we're getting all of us getting tarred with the same brush. If it's tobacco, it's got to be bad. Get rid of it. Yeah, tobacco is bad. Tobacco is bad. And they don't distinct it. And, and the, the ignorance of the bureaucrats and the parents are what's causing the fear and panic to make these decisions. Their right. ignorance is the problem. It's not the children's ignorance. It's the parents' ignorance. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and a lot of that, a lot of these so-called uh, crusades are starting yeah. out of ignorance because, again, we all know that cigarette smoking and cigar smoking are two absolutely separate things, you know? Um, but they're just looking at everything being the same. Lump it together, they won't get rid of all of it. The, the hardest thing that people <clears throat> seem to have problems grasping is cigars are not an addiction. They're not a habit. Right. Um, I haven't had a cigar in three weeks and you know how many withdrawal symptoms I've had none because we are not addicted to them. They are a hobby. They are not right. a habit. They are two right. very different things. Right. You know, I could, I could go two weeks without a cigar really. And, and I might, you know, if I've got too many other things that I'm involved with, I really don't think that much about it. Then I'm going to go back and smoke one. I thoroughly enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but, I'm not laying awake at night, craving, you know, craving it, having withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, you're not you're not outside at three a.m. when it's thirty degrees outside because no, you need no. your fix. Right, exactly. I've mentioned this before, but when ignorance breeds fear, this goes all the way back to the days of Christopher Columbus, and I've mentioned this before on this program. But one of the Spanish crewmen of Christopher Columbus, Rodrigo de Jerez, because of the government's ignorance and didn't know what was going on. They, they put Rodrigo in prison for seven years after he brought tobacco back with him was a joke because he retrohaled and the yeah. smoke came out of his nose and they thought he was, uh, the devil could give a man the power to exhale smoke from his mouth is what they said. He was sinful and infernal. I thought he was Satan because he blew smoke, what we call retrohaling. The ignorance yeah. of what they didn't know said, we're going to put him in prison because he's a demon. I'm like, no, you're a moron. And that same type of ignorance and stupidity, it's what's driving them to make these instantaneous blanketed bans with no regard for research, information, or intelligence. Right. It's just tobacco bad. That's it. That's, you know? that's all they know. And I'm like, this is the, this is the conclusion of a, of a three-year-old. Something is just bad. We don't know why it's bad. Someone says it was bad. I read online it was bad. It's just bad, bad, bad. Do you have any basis for this? None whatsoever. But it's bad, bad, bad. And we have to just get rid of it because someone said we had to get rid of it. That's bullshit. You're, you're taking away freedoms from those who pay for it heavily, by the way, right? and are old enough to enjoy it and make these decisions because some asshole <laughs> is making a mistake or because some parent let their 13-year-old smoke a cigarette. That's their fucking problem. Yeah. Don't make it my problem. That's their problem. You don't want to go after that, that parent for not raising that child right? Go after that parent. I don't give a damn, but I don't have kids and it's not my problem. I'm old enough to smoke cigars. I should be able to fucking, you can't say, you can't smoke a cigar, Ben, because that 13 year old Hispanic kid next door is smoking cigarettes. One is in no way related to the other. Just because yeah. they both involve the word tobacco, somehow I need to go to prison for seven years well, and only the devil could give me the power to exhale smoke from my mouth. They, they, just don't, 
they just don't seem to want to understand the difference between them. You know, it's just like no, yeah, they don't. Tobacco's, tobacco's bad, different. no matter what it is. I'm just so sick of this blanketed. Can, can you guys solving problems? You're you're both a lot younger than I am, but but you know, I'm looking back when I was a kid. Um, I can't remember anybody being uh, tempted to smoke a cigar back then. Nobody, no no kids that I knew of. No, you know, I knew a lot of kids to start smoking as soon as they possibly could cigarettes because that was cool. You know. And cheaper. For life, be able to think about a kid that I knew wanting to smoke cigars. Well, they were probably candles and didn't taste very, didn't taste what we know today, anyway. Yeah, well, that was the olden days. I know. Back then, uh, back then, cigarettes were freaking encouraged. They They were were endorsed by doctors. Yeah, I mean, doctors like yeah, sure, smoke. Who cares? Oh yeah, I've seen magazines where they got doctors' advertisements. You know, smoke this; it's good for your health. You know. But, Coca-Cola uh, used to have actual cocaine in it. Bring yeah, those yeah. days back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what's wrong with this country. Is there's but no cocaine in the, the Coca-Cola cocaine back in Coca-Cola, and we need to get this. We, 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 need, we just need people to be anymore. on their own. That's what was keeping them uh, satiated back then with the cocaine. The coca- Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah the space program. The, yeah, it's because of the, the cocaine. Okay, so if, if it was cocaine in the Coke, was it PCP in the Pepsi? <laughs> like are we going with the letters right in here the PSP and the Pepsi yeah. PC, PCP PCP honestly, what, uh, honestly what the whole thing with flavored cigars is I think it's just another tactic in a, a small way to get a shot in the battle to get well, first of off those cigars know, that they're buying those, like flavored, the kids, those flavored cigars you know? are blunts yeah. yeah they're not they're not smoking for the tobacco in them they buy them cut them in half get the tobacco out packet full of devil's oregano and then smoke that that's what they're actually using them for <laughs> let's just get that out in the fucking open okay yeah, I, yeah, we yeah. know what that's for but because it involved tobacco in some fashion it's evil yeah. it's bad it's got to go i'm like you are so dumb you are so dumb uh, well, well to uh to, to end it on a higher note has anybody uh anybody smoked anything good lately oh wow i've been doing some shopping Jerry, oh, yeah. Ben, ben has been keeping me abreast of his, uh, his cigar shopping. Uh, that nice box of uh, AJ Fernandez last call, I believe it was. Oh, I've had two of those today. They're so good. That Ecuadorian Habano wrapper is just dynamite. I'm trying to think of anything I've had recently that's kind of jumped out at me. I really haven't had an opportunity. Even going to South Florida this time, I didn't really have much of an opportunity to try anything, uh, you know, kind of out of the way that I didn't, wasn't familiar with. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, gosh, not a whole lot. Well, I'm guessing you haven't had any Alec Bradley's recently. No, I can't say that I have. Well, we know why. I've got a few. I've got a few in my humidor from a, a couple of buys ago. Well, hold on to them because he's going through some stuff right now. Yeah, they're, they're collector's items now. <laughs> so I had a friend of mine. I've been, I've been, I've been cycling through. A friend of mine back home in Knoxville actually sent me a box of Cuban, not of one, but like a very kind of a, a mixed bundle of Cuban cigars. Yeah, Hoyos, uh, you know, um, Bolivars, all that good stuff. And it's I'm letting most of them. I've, I've smoked a couple, but I'm letting them sit in the humidor for a while. Was it um, uh, was it uh, Cohiba spelled with a K? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, speaking of Cohiba, by the way, those those Cohiba Pro Dominicanas that I got, remember that box I showed you? Um, I'll be dead honest with you. I think they're worth the money that I paid for them, but they're not worth the MSRP, in my opinion. I they're not. I, in my opinion, they're I've just never, never had a Cohiba that knocked my socks off. I'll be honest with you. So even if it's not like the red dot or the blue, you know, the, the blue label and all those, I've had a few of those before and those didn't quite, wasn't that special as, as they make it out to be. You'd think it would, but they're, they're okay. But like this Cohiba Pro Dominicana, it's powerful. It's full, full strength as it were. And it's got good flavor, but it's not, not worth the MSRP on them. I, you would, I would never pay that much for them. It's not that good. Yeah, not not to uh, one I had not smoked, but I almost did last night. I was a scar around last night, and I did see the Magic Toast for, for the first time. And I was tempted to buy one, but I forgot what else I bought. I was something different. But have you guys tried the Magic Toast? Talking about Alec Bradley? 
I have a while back and it's actually, honestly, to me, it was similar to this Pro Dominicana. It's pretty full flavor, but it's also medium to full strength. It's got some yeah. kick to it. Yeah, I haven't tried that one yet. I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, it, it um, like I say, I was almost tempted to, I, I swear now I can't remember. I think I'm in Smokey maybe an Espinosa. I can't talk. Espinosa. Um, the, the Laranja is not a new one, but that's one I, I really like. That's sort of a classic with this. He's fine. That's a popular one, the Polaranja. Not the Polaranja, but the Laranja one. Yeah, the orange yeah. and white label. Yeah, right. Right. Um, just I, did, I did smoke one in my Miami, uh, and I, I know I'm going to butcher the name. I don't even know why I brought it up. Uh, Armandeo, I think it was. I could, I could be wrong about that, but uh, actually, it wasn't under his one of his, his labels, but that's one of those private labels that Espinosa is doing down there, and it was delicious. Maduro, a lot of coffee, chocolate flavors, uh, just really nice. Mm, nice. Have you tried that? Um, I forget who makes it, but uh, the name you called that one made me think of it the Aladino. Uh, yeah. It's an all. All Corojo cigar, I believe it is. Yes, I've had that. I liked it. Yeah, I was uh, I was curious about that one being all Corojo, but it did turn out to be pretty good. Yeah, Jerry, I think you've tried it because at my cigar shop, my the shopkeep friend of mine there always makes a recommendation for me on things I've never tried. A Casa Cuba. I don't know if you've tried that before. Casa Cuba. No, yeah, it's supposed to it. have the characteristics, and it sort of did of of uh, Cuban cigar. It's not very expensive, but it's called Casa Cuba. And yeah. uh, it was it was pretty good. I'll be honest with you. I also tried a Regis Exclusivo USA. Never tried that one before. Those are good. Yeah, Regis, Regis is pretty good. Like um, I bought, uh, I've had some uh, Rocky Patel Tabacusas. Those were okay. And I've been, I've been on a spree. Oh, uh, the, the Intemperance by Romacraft. I've had a couple of Romacraft recently. That was pretty good. I'm still, trying, I'm still trying to think. There's just nothing really. I mean, I've smoked a lot of cigars lately, but just nothing has really jumped out at me. Do you have to yeah, just go through a pretty yeah, consistent little... rotation of your cigars? Jerry? Pretty, oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry, I should have said that. Um, do you, is this like certain cigars you just keep in rotation all the not, time? Not a whole lot. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always kind of looking around for something different, something new. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, Fuentes, that's a standby. Uh, again, uh, Espinosa for me is a standby. Oh, uh, gosh. What else can I think of right now? I'm having a hard time thinking of anything else right now. I'm just drawing blank spells. I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Um, Castle Cuevas. Uh, I like those. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to smoke those yet, but it's actually the, the company that made our cigars. Uh, they're they're online now. Uh, very good. I enjoy those. Um, God. Yeah, I've had the uh, the Habano Aldino. and the Shemanigan. Yeah, the Aldinos. The Aldinos were very good. good. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. Oh gosh, what else? I'm just blanking out here. I'll have to make some notes for next time we talk <laughs> about cigars. <laughs> yeah, I got to get better about writing down what I smoke because I, yeah. I, I granted the last two weeks I haven't smoked much, but. You know, usually yeah. I'll smoke two or three a week, and my memory sucks quite greatly. One thing, one that one thing I had while I was dinner, and I've had it before, but it was very good. Uh, there's a, a cigar shop in Kendall, which is a suburb of Miami. I think I get that right. Called Mura Cigars, and the guy there makes he has a house blend that he makes. It's under his name, Mura Cigars. Those are really good cigars. They're surprising. They're not that expensive. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about probably the most expensive cigars. I might, yes, but might be eight bucks, seven bucks, something like that. That's not it, bad. Turns out some really good stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm still a big fan of the Villagers, fellas. I, I have been very impressed with their cigars. Really love the Dos Brazil and the Black Forest. Have you guys had those? I uh, had the Brazil one. Uh, don't think so on the other one. You know what? I have actually been. I've been dancing around trying to get flavors, but now that you've mentioned it, based on your testimony, it sounds like something I need to add. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the the villager cigars are there. Of course, they're in South Florida, and then I think they're kind of up the Eastern Seaboard. 
but if you guys can run across those, uh, I, I recommend them. It, I've not had one yet that I'm disappointed with. Now, Do you think I mean, they've actually done a good job? Very are good. Uh, I've uh, smoked a couple of EPC things lately. Uh, of course, the Encore is a great cigar. Hello. Yeah, definitely on that one. Uh, most yeah. of, really, I never really had any uh, EP Gorilla stuff that disappointed me. No, not at all. I love the, uh, I'm not a huge fan of their size, but I love the inch series. Yeah. Uh, the inch and the inch natural. Um, oh my God. Remember that time? You can get them <laughs> Remember that time we, we yeah. did the seven by 70 and it took like three and a half hours to get through it because it was so damn, <laughs> just a fucking yeah. massive. I, That's I, too much. Yeah. The, I, well, you know, it cracks me up because I, I've been in, in scar shops before and see guys come on and buy those eight by eighties or Seven by seventies, and what That's they do is stupid they, ogre. They cut them in half and smoke them two different days. What? Why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> That's not how it works. Really it unravels you. Ask, they act like that's some kind of great, well kept secret. It's not the God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to get you started with that. Oh, it's good value for money. No, it's I, not I, a pound I, of. I've heard that more than once. Honest to goodness, I did. You can't cut it. It's not a loaf of bread, you idiot. You don't put it in the freezer and store it for later. Like, it's just fucking... I know. How they smoked that second half, I don't know, but that's... You look like such a tool. If you're sitting there with an 8x80 in your hand, you look like such a... It looks cartoonish. Yeah. It feels weird, like, to put your entire... You have to dislocate your jaw like a serpent to get it around the fucking skull. Like, that is just too much fucking effort. And there's less wrapper. It's all filler. So it's a pound It's, it's a pound and a half of tobacco and then some wrap. I'm like, no, I want it smaller, more conscious. I want to be able to taste the more expensive components, which is the wrapper for a lot of the flavor is. Don't be a fucking tool. Don't but, do that. Know, no. I'll, I'll meet you guys. I spoke a 7 by 70 with a, from a friend of mine once, guy who makes them, which I won't bring up. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I smoked for about two and a half hours and I probably had an hour and a half to go when I just gave up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, I'm done. And if, uh, if anybody is wondering about the that particular episode, um, and God help us, I didn't even know we've been doing this this long, but it was from October of 2015, episode 19, the 7x70 trim. Um, we all wow. smoked the same. Oh. Seven by seven. Yeah, that, that's, honestly, I, I just looked at the date we started doing this back in April of fourteen. I had no idea it'd been that long. But yeah, that one, that that one in particular is episode nineteen. Man, and I've got to find. There's a. You'll notice if you go back through the, the episode count, there's one missing. I want to say it's episode twenty-seven. Um, got to find that one and resurrect that one one there, um, because we kind of. Well, pardon my friends, we motherfucked everybody for an hour. <laughs> we really funny. did. We really did. One <laughs> asshole in God. particular. That was, tell us really how you feel, Mark. Don't hold back. There's one asshole. Yeah, in yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a very Gurkha heavy episode, if that tells you anything. Oh, uh, yeah, they've always sucked. Well, it was, no, it was two things. I remember that. It was Gurkha, and it was right after Swisher bought Drew Estate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the whole. You, have you guys noticed in your parts of the country how trends run those sometimes, though, which I find really curious sometimes? I know here in Ohio, uh, few years back, the, the, the big rage was the 6 by 60s man. Everything had to be 6 by 60s And I find this really ironic because the next trend to come in was Lanceros. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want the thinner cigars back because I think they're better. Um, uh, but no, to go from a 660 to a Lancero is kind of a jump, you know? <laughs> Yeah, for a while, this is when I still lived in Alabama. For a while, you had a hard time finding anything smaller than a 660. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like started at 660 and went up, and I'm like, I don't like this crap. Yeah. No, yeah, 54 is about as high as I want to go. Really, I really kind of like a 50, to be honest with you, but that's that's us, you know. You know. I'll, I'll smoke a nub. Um, 60 ring gauge or a nub, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's probably what. Well, four by 60 ish yeah 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 well you know we we can laugh at the seven by sevens the eight by eighties but I, I have a friend again who will remain unnamed i was teasing about that one day he said go ahead and laugh i made a million dollars off of them last year so apparently somebody likes them of the eight by eighties yeah what a bunch of oh my god yeah, i mean bottom line you, you can't fault them for 
making what people want, even if it ain't what we want personally. But they're not supposed to want that. That's the. Oh, why, I, why do they want that? Why? Why does everything have to go into a McDonald's, Walmart trend? Oh, if it's more well, of it, it must be better. Can we stop we, that, please? We, we, next, we live next we live week or biggie for everything, you know. And I want to upsize every fucking thing. Can we just do a moderate amount of something? Like I need four bucketfuls of Coca-Cola. I need like, six pounds of tobacco to smoke. And I'm like, can we just, in just fact, relax for a minute and have some sort of class? In fact, when I was in, Nick, when I was in uh, South Florida this trip, and I, again, I don't want to name names because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you're not going to believe me when I saw this, when I tell you what it was, but I have a couple of witnesses. That was actually making 100 inch. 100. 100. He showed me I've a mold. A nine by mold. 90. He showed me a mold where they're going to start making 100, 100 inch ring gauge. That's, that's insane. Not, that's, not almost tw- that's almost two not, inches. Not, not an 80, not a 90, 100. What next uh, next next week on the podcast, a new segment, Doctor Ben, uh, <laughs> and his his opinions about overcompensating for <laughs> for things with giants. I use smaller kindling to start fires in in my this, you know in this, fireplaces this guy, than this. I am not kidding. This guy showed me the molds he had made for these hundred ring gauge cigars, That's and I said, "Why in the world are you doing that?" He said, "Because people will buy them." Yeah, but you can't do that. Like you. Can't. What is the world coming to? Uh, because they all think it's well, value we, for money. Uh, if I get if I get this for twenty dollars, I'm getting the equivalent of nine cigars to smoke at one time. Like you just yeah. no. That's gonna take you a day to smoke. Like you start in the I, morning, you might be done by the evening if you start you, that. That's insane. You, you guys seen these cigars that have come out? They're like a, they're a foot and a half long, and they're about a seventy ring gauge. I, I can't think of the names of them right now, but they used to come in a, a wooden box. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of Coffins. a box. It's kind of like the egg cigars. You guys, I'm sure you guys saw those. That's a I, I'm thing. assuming this this hundred ring gauge cigar is probably going to be the same thing, kind of a novelty. Because man, I don't know what else you could do with it. Just put it. Just don't just don't don't put it. Don't, don't keep it here. Don't say it. I'll tell you what, next time I'm down there, I will go back to that guy's shop and get a picture of those. So the only the only person the only person I could see excited about this is Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Monica. And on that note, uh you'll see the Cigar Tissues podcast. What do you think for joining us? Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs>